0: The Sixside Culture Podcast. I'm joined by Danny. For is unavailable today, but we couldn't be in better spirits and we're in great. We're in a great mood today. We just can't help but be in a great mood. Danny, how are
1: you? Um, over the top. Uh, I don't know if you can tell by my voice. I was yelling all day yesterday, so today my voice is a little bit off. Uh, very good spirits uh, for the match. Uh, I just have no words to describe the emotions uh, I felt during the match, after the match, and even today. It's just unbelievable uh get to witness the uh nation i grew up supporting the nation where my family comes from the azuri uh winning a trophy in my prime and i'm just happy to see that all the people of toronto montreal or wherever you guys come from just to celebrate uh so it's a huge win take it in because uh, this is going to be with us for the rest of our lives
0: Yep, and like you guys heard in the intro, it's coming to Rome. It's coming Rome like Bonucci and Giorginio were singing at the beginning there. And it has arrived, the parades going on as we're actually recording right now. But before we get into the whole Italy and England breakdown, I just want to give you guys a little rundown of what's been going on this past week. So basically, we did not have an episode after the Spain match because this whole Instagram thing, basically, if you guys don't know already, we put on our backup account. We do have a backup account now. It's called 6, like the number, and then uh, Side sidecoucho.com instead of so six i x like the old account, uh the other account right now is disabled uh for reasons we're not sure of we've been in constant contact with Instagram and Facebook trying to get it resolved. Hopefully, eventually we get it resolved, but uh for now, for the time being, we didn't want to leave you guys hanging, so we just made a backup account which well, the one I just told you about, and yeah go follow that six side couch, just the number six, no i x uh, for the account. And yeah, just fold it up and keep in touch with us. Hopefully we'll get the old one back. Uh, we put a lot of work into that one for two years, so it's kind of disappointing to see it kind of, uh, evaporate in front of our eyes. But, uh, yeah, we're going to keep working towards getting that one back. But, uh, you know, put that, uh, you know, the downside away. Let's move on to the good things. Italy beat England at Wembley. They're the Euro 2020 champions. Last time around this podcast, we were reacting to our win against Belgium, who, you know, they were the favorites to win the tournament once, especially once France dropped out. But even before that, most people had Belgium winning because most players are the prime. was kind of the last hoorah to win it. And they're out. Italy did it, man. They did it. And, yeah. you know, for guys to do a podcast, we are kind of lost for words. So it's kind of hard to string some words together here. We're just in shock about the whole thing. You know, penalties is a very special thing because... It can either leave you completely just down and out and depressed and saddened, or you can be the happiest person on the planet because winning on penalties is the best feeling, but losing a penalties is just the worst feeling. But, uh, we'll get more into like our feeling throughout the match, but quickly, I guess we'll just recap here. I'll, I'll take it off. The match, it was incredible. You know, the match started three minutes in and they were down one nothing. When that happened, I was just, oh, I was in shock. I couldn't believe it. For some reason when that whole play was developing with Kane holding it up and playing it wide, it's just, to Walker, I just I felt the goal was coming. I don't know why, just the whole uh build up to it. And then I saw um Luke Shaw obviously one who scored wide open at the back post. I didn't think they'd play that ball, even though I saw it like when you're on the field and you are watching on T V it's two completely different things. Like the players don't have the vision we have. We have a whole outlook at the whole pitch. So I didn't really think Walker would be able to see that. But um Charlotte put his hand up. He was calling for it, and he got it. And, you know, don't get me wrong, it was a great strike, a great play. And that's where I started getting worried because I was kind of confident going into the match after the lineups came out because England essentially were playing five at the back, which is a very negative approach, which I think would benefit us as well as the ball more. But they used their wingbacks well there. Both wingbacks were involved. One got the assist, and one got the goal. And they really hurt us bad there. And uh, I know, Dan, you're a big Lorenzo fan. But I just will say, honestly, like, how I felt at with though, in my opinion, uh, was one of the worst on the pitch. That whole play there just was really irritating, especially what happened, happened against Belgium. But Belgium, I not really care. That's in the past. We won the game, whatever. But just in that moment, I was so frustrated because just a mental lapse like that and of a game like this, they obviously now it's easier to take in because they won. Like, really, who cares now? It's all done. But just in the moment of the match, it's so frustrating. You're down one yeah. nothing so early on, and then they're home, their crowds going to cheer them on, they're going to park the bus. Like It just feels like an uphill battle. It felt like we're already going uphill and the hill just got even taller. It's harder to overcome. But um, we managed to do it. We got back into it. I think once England scored, they kind of took an even more negative approach already and it made it even more negative because they were just sitting back and they just have the ball. They'd counter here or there, but nothing, nothing too much really. They had two shots on target the whole game and one was the goal. So, uh, I think we dominated the match from that point forward. I thought Insignia seemed to struggle, especially the first half. Second half, I did like a few things Insignia was doing, trying to get more involved. But, um, he seemed to struggle throughout the match. Emerson, the first half was, he was, I'll be honest, I love Emerson. Yeah. Uh, I don't really like yeah. sitting on him, but he was terrible that first half. He was, he might have been worse than Di Lorenzo, in my opinion, that first half. Maybe, like, overall, obviously the error in made was bad, but Emerson was horrendous. Uh, immobile like the whole tournament ever since the knockout stages began this guy was horrendous he was i had no hope from going to the match i was praying at half time he'd come out he didn't he did eventually but immobile is just he's done i never want some italy shirt again and we won a euro without a striker i don't think it's ever been done before we won a euro cup without a striker our striker did not score a goal the whole knockout stage that's that blows my mind i don't know how we did that but yeah, immobile was terrible uh Bonucci, Kalini, man, I can't say enough about these two, especially Kalini. 36 years old, playing like Cannavaro in his prime. Like I, I was in shock. This guy was diving everywhere, and like he would miss time a tackle, but he was on one knee and he'd still reach with his other leg to get the ball from Sterling. Just these weird things he would do. Just he's incredible. Kalini incredible. He's one of a kind, truly. And it's an honor to watch him play and to put on a performance like that, which is amazing. This guy's 36 and playing 120 minutes three times. That's just, that's sensational. Bonucci, man, he gets a lot of uh, stick from us, but the guy really put in a shift, man. He got that goal for us. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not going to lie, you know, I'm a Roma fan, but when Cristante came on, I was a little confused because, you know, we needed to score. Like, I would have preferred Locatelli, probably better than Cristante going forward right now at this point in his career. Like, Cristante obviously used to be a a center attacking mid at Atalanta, but he's been playing defensive ever since. So I really thought Lucatelli would have been a better option, but man, he proved me wrong. And I, I think he proved a lot of people wrong. Cristante really did help change the game. Uh, that yeah, corner, he had it as well. yeah, beautiful. In that corner, he flicked it in, which we saw for Roma a lot of times. We put him front post. He flicked it into Verratti. Veratti did a great job winning that header, and then Bonucci cleaned it up. So yeah, Cristante really proved me wrong there. We're using a back three for quite a, a bit of time, to be honest, when he entered. Benucci, Cristante, and Chiellini at some point to dropped in deeper. He just did a really good job. I was proud of him. He really surprised me. And one thing I want to say about Cristante that shocks me is, like, when you're a Roma fan, obviously we we joke around about him a bit. Like, Dan, you know, if he's saw you guys kind of make fun of him a bit, like how he plays and things he does yeah. on the pitch. But there's, like, something about him that, like, I tweeted this with yesterday on my personal account, for, for those of you who saw it, These managers always love Cristante. I don't want, like, Di Francesco, love Cristante. Mm -hmm. Fonseca, love Cristante. De Rossi said he'd like to have a 100 Cristantes on his team. Like, something about him, I don't know what it is, but people tend to love him. Mourinho even said, that's my captain, which I don't know what he means by that. He's not Roma's captain, but I guess it's the way he plays, the leader. When Spinazzola got hurt, he was the first one to go console him. It's not because he's a Roma player. He'd do it for any player that got hurt. Cristante's a great guy. He's a great teammate. And although he's not a star, he's not like that, I guess I want to say quote unquote sexy player that does all this fancy stuff and like you love, but he's a good team player and I think Mancini um did good to put him in, I guess. He knew what he's doing. He sees him training. We don't see training, so it's kinda hard for us to see who should come in and who shouldn't, but he proved us wrong to change the game and did well. Uh Jorginho, world class, absolutely sensational. What a player he is. Uh I just don't know, ruma. This guy, and, you know, I'll get into the penalty routes now because then I want to hear what you have to say about the match. Yeah. So we'll skip the penalties here. Uh, an extra time, you know, I think it was a better team. In the second half of extra time, I think England had the, quite a bit of the ball, to be honest, until maybe the 115th minute. When we finally cracked them down, we survived a little uh, um, ambush ahead. Penalties comes, you know. When you're going to penalties, the first thing I thought of before a match, everybody was talking about how a team has never won two penalty shootouts in one Euro tournament. And that was in my head, the whole penalty shootout. And then there's also another style where you say, the team that shoots first always wins. So that was what I was really focused on. Like, please, please tell me we're shooting first. And we didn't. That gave me a big boost because when you're shooting second, although your only focus should be the score, no matter who scored or missed in front of you before, you still need to just focus on shooting. But it happens, you know. It seems to have a psychological effect on players when they shoot second. and we started off Bedardy. I was just nervous. I didn't think not, nothing on Bedardy. I'm just nervous because penalties. I never know what can happen, man. It's 50-50. And he scored. Sent him the wrong way. Great penalty. Harry Kane stepped up, buried it. I was kind of hoping he missed. I didn't tweeted he's gonna hit the crossbar to put some uh, I don't know, bad karma on him. But he he hit it. Credit to him. It was a nice uh, nice shot. The rumble went the right way, but still couldn't get it. It was just a fantastic shot. And Belotti stepped up. For those of you who know, I love Belotti. I'm a big Belotti fan. I actually like how he sacrifices a lot of things for the team and just plays hard. I was praying he'd score. and Unfortunately, got stopped. It wasn't a good penalty. It wasn't in the corner. It wasn't hard. He was just banking on Pickford going the wrong way, and he didn't. And then Maguire might have scored one of the best penalties we've seen in the Euros or in a long time. At least that was amazing. Right into the camera. It's kind of like Messi's at the Copa America, for those of you who saw it. It's a perfect penalty. But, yeah, uh, that was a great shot by Maguire. I'm just trying to remember and recollect who was shooting. I think it was Banucci after Bonucci came yeah, up. Yeah,
1: Banucci did, like, that little kind of, like, half-chip, half-shot. Yeah,
0: he scared me. I thought Pickford got that. I don't know about you guys. Yeah, I no, he here, here. Yeah, I just I, I thought it was over. I'm like, oh, my God, it's done. And then why didn't I saw the net move? Oh, thank God. I thought he got that. Pickford I was actually having a pretty good game, so uh, I was kind of nervous about that, too. But yeah, Benucci put it in. And then was it Rashford, I believe, that stepped up after? Yeah. Rashford, and he hit the post. Yeah. Uh, when I saw the rumor to go the wrong way, I was like, ah, oh, Rashford got him. And then he hit the post, and obviously my whole family room just blew up. We were all like, celebrating, I'm sure. All Italians across the world were. And yeah, that was just, oh, it was relieving. It really was. And then after Rashford, I can brain for who was after Rashford?
1: Rashford and Sancho, or or before yeah. Italy, it was before
0: yeah, maybe? Yeah, Berna. Yeah, it was Berna. It was Berna. Berna came up, and Berna he's actually good at penalties. Like one thing you gotta give him. Yeah. As a player, he's questionable. Even in the game, he didn't play too well when he came in, but he did a couple of good things though. But yeah, for penalties, he seems to do well. And yeah, he he hit it. It was a great shot. And then yeah, Sancho came in. Got stopped. Um, Questionable by Selfkid to put these young guys in, but, you know, he knows better than us, like I said. I watched his interview after the game and he said that he chose his takers based on what they've done for the club, scoring penalty wise and training. So, you know, I can't really question his choice. It's up to him. He knows better than us. But I'm happy. And they missed, obviously. But yeah, Sancho got stopped. And then, you know, just, I'm just going to skip ahead to Jorginho here. Jorginho, man. When he came up, I think we all thought it was done. Then, how about you? Did you think it was gonna score of that? I think he did. Yeah, thought, no, like 100%. We
1: were like, we were celebrating like when it came up. Uh, when say Sancho missed, like we were at a buddy's house, my buddy, our buddy Adam's house, and we were all celebrating like we won. I go, guys, calm, calm, calm down. Remain calm. Where like it go? I go, it's not over yet. And when we saw uh pick for goal the same way Jorginho shot, we just went, oh no, like this is. It's not looking good. Like, it didn't look good. And then we all know what happens uh, after that Georgino shot. So.
0: Yeah. And the thing with Jorginho's penalty style, which obviously I'm not going to question, is one of the best penalty takers in the world. But one thing is I want you to a little hop. If the goal does not fall for it, it's kind of like a psychological thing in your head where it just stays still. It kind of messes with you a bit. And uh, it was great for Pickford, great patience. He got it. For a second, I don't know about you guys who saw this, but I thought it hit off the back of Pickford's head. was going in. So I actually celebrated like for a split second. I was like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, shoot. How did it not go in? It stayed out. And uh, I was shocked by that. And then Saka stepped up. And obviously I'm happy, but I do feel a little bad for him because the kid is 18 or 19. I think he's 19. Yeah. And that's a big, big shot to be taking for a kid that young. And he's also cold. He wasn't in the game for that long. And he came in, and I don't know what it was, Dad. I don't know how you were feeling, but I knew he was gonna miss. I'm not sure why. I even told my dad. I was like, Dad, he's gonna miss. I just I know he's gonna miss. He's not gonna, not gonna score. Know, he looked nervous see, and he just don't a confident. I don't know what it was. How about you?
1: For me, when uh, when I saw Saka coming up, I we were all like all nervous and stuff, right? And I go, please miss, just save it, save it, please, just save it. And then, <laughs> when I saw soccer take the penalty, and I saw Donnarumma get the right way, I yelled like, yes! Because I already knew it was a bad penalty. it, it even, he didn't look confident at all taking a yeah. penalty. And it looked like the Bellotti time. Yeah, when it came off his foot, it looks like he just, it didn't, like, I know he's obviously trying to score, but it looked like he just wanted to just kick it. Like, he wasn't even thinking about where he was going. He just kicked it, and Donnarumma read it nicely. And yeah. Like, it made a beautiful save. It made a great save on it. And then the celebration after, well done, Donnarumma. Well done. Cool, that was cold. so cold. That was a cold celebration, and I love every inch of it, every second of it.
0: Just and
1: seeing him walk, walk up, pick for it, like, on the floor, and then the team jumping around them, that was just, what a – that's an iconic photo in Italian history. I, I can say that. One of, the mo- like, one of the most iconic in Italian history. It's so cold and
0: it's awesome. It was so cold that he tricked my dad. Cause my dad was like, he knew Saka if he missed, we would have won. But Don Roma not celebrating. My dad's like, is it done? Like, he's not celebrating. What the hell is going on? Like Is there another shot or something? And then mm-hmm. he saw the players run at him and say, like, oh, okay, it is done. My dad was celebrating. Yeah. Then he stopped for a second because and not celebrating. What the hell happened? And he <laughs> started celebrating for- again.
1: Yeah, for a split second, when I saw Donnarumma walking, I go, is he doing this on purpose, or are they checking Vari, like, to see if he was on the line? I go, please. I go, knowing our luck, I, I had a brief, like, flaw in my head. I go, knowing our luck, they're going to say Donnarumma stepped off the line, and he's going to score the other one.
0: Yeah, I, uh, that's what I thought. Something was going to happen.
1: A little bit, but then I saw, like, the celebration, and I go, oh, my God. Like, and then I couldn't, like, take it that we won. Like, it's... Even now, like, I can't believe it. It just feels like a very good dream. Like, it's unbelievable.
0: Exactly. And then I, I said my piece about the game. Obviously, we both broke down the penalties. But how were you feeling throughout the whole 120 minutes? How was... Yeah. What, what were your opinions on it?
1: For me, when... Uh, so, again, we went to, like, a and our buddy Adams House. And, and when England scored the first goal in two minutes in, it was quiet as a mouse. Like, you could hear a pin drop. You can hear, like the dust in his, like house, like going throughout his house, and it was so like quiet and stuff. And for me, the goal, uh, yeah, you can a lot of people can say, oh, uh, the Lorenzo show had Shaw. For me, the one thing I looked at too, Emerson, he had Trippier. I believe it was Trippier. He was covering Trippier, and then he went to, co- and then all of a sudden he went to cover, uh, the overlapping run, and then kelini had to step up, and then that's why the, the and the defense had to shift up, and that's why. Luke Shaw was open in the back. So it was kind of a mix between uh, Di Lorenzo's fault and also Emerson's fault. He should have just uh, kept on Trippier instead of giving him that time to look, pick out his options, and make uh, a good ball into the box, which Trippier has the quality to per cross or free kick in when given the chance. So it was a mix of that. But throughout the match, I thought Italy was a better side uh, by a landslide for me. Uh, we had one point, we had 71% possession. We were just picking out England left, right, center, and we just couldn't find that goal. Uh, Chiesa, for me, was unbelievable with this match. He was easily probably one of our best players on the pitch and easily our best attacker uh, since the knockout stages started. He's been incredible. And for me, when that Bonucci goal went in, everything changed for me as well. I thought Italy were also they were also the better side even in extra time. You can see, even with the attack of Baradi, Belotti, and Bernadeschi, Italy were still the better side. So throughout the whole match I believe Italy were the better side. Um, England really didn't create much since from the goal. Uh but it was a very good match. Um overall, uh, I was very satisfied with the way we played and obviously you never want to lose in penalties because that's like one of the worst ways to lose. And For me, I remember going up to uh, my buddy Anthony and my buddy Joe, and I go to them, I go, guys, remember, 2006, 2006. Hopefully it's 2006. And I kept walking around the the basement saying, please, Lord, let this be 2006, 2006, because this match kind of reminded me of the World Cup in 2006 where France got the goal early on. I think it was Belize's 13th, 15th minute when they got their early goal. And then Matarazzi, who was Cannavaro's partner, which in this case, Bonucci got the goal, who is Kelini's partner. Not saying Chiellini's on level with Cannavaro, but just the way the defense is. It's, uh, it kind of reminds me of Cannavaro being the brick wall and the standout defender, which Chiellini was his tournament, and Bonucci being his partner in crime, being another wall, which Matarazzi was during that World Cup. So when I saw Bonucci score, and it was 1-1 heading to penalty shots, it just gave me that 2006 vibe where Italy went on to win the penalty shots which we did here so it was a very awesome like game I'm very happy that we won uh the penalty shots I had mixed emotions all like it was when i saw Bologna miss i i wanted to like vomit uh but italy came up they uh they got the goal when Jorginho missed i was in shock uh, like I was just like, oh my god, he missed. This is like he, he, he missed. Oh, and then when I saw Osaka step up, Donnarumma make the save, that's when the, all my emotions came out. Uh, kind of broke down in tears, uh, after the game. But you know what? It's all worth it because this was a long journey, a hard journey. Um, uh, especially because of all like the bullshit that was going on with the world with COVID and stuff. Uh, this felt like this gave, Italians and those who support the Italian national team hope and gave them something to cheer about for the rest of their lives. And it's nice that we got to witness uh, the Euros uh, winning a a major trophy, international trophy, in our in the prime of our lives. Because the last time Italy won a major international trophy, we were five, six years old. Yeah, we were five years old. So now we're twenty years old. We got to witness the Azzurri uh, lift the Euro. Cup, the second in history, the first since, I, I can't remember the year, was it 1960-something? Something. something? It might
0: have been two, maybe. 62,
1: be so it's been forever, say. So it's a beautiful moment and then we get we get to go uh, celebrate at Market Lane in Warbridge or St. Clair, if you guys live in downtown. So those are the two hot spots for celebrations and when I tell you, I'm pretty sure the whole population, all the Italians were at either one of those locations. I, I, I'm not lying. It was jam-packed. It was awesome to see uh, the cheering, people, seeing like friends and family I haven't we haven't seen in a while. So it was just beautiful scenes at the Market Lane or at St. Clair, wherever you guys went. And uh, I'm just very happy that the uh, Azuli came on top and we're the best team in Europe.
0: Yeah, and Dan, it's actually pretty funny that we're recording this right now because um me and Dan were actually together when Italy got knocked out against Sweden. Yeah. So, and now we're here recording after the Luminati Cup, so we came full circle back in 2018 to now, so it's great. We finally uh, got out the other end of it on top, so that's a good thing. But uh, something I just want to talk about, Dan. What makes winning this Euro, in your opinion at least, more satisfying than usual?
1: The fact that we failed to qualify for the World cup in 2018
0: and then Definitely. in 20
1: technically in 20 we, we can say 2020 the euro 2020 the next tournament we win it and it just shows that the turnaround this this nation has with the players coming up uh getting the right coaching and the right coaching staff and just to support that some te- like nations look at Netherlands they failed to make the World cup uh, in 2018 and they get knocked out first round so, right there, their turning point are, it hasn't happened. And Italy's they end up winning the whole thing. They win the whole Euros. And we were heading into the tournament. We were a lot of left around us. Oh, will he, will he step up? Will Italy have a number nine? Technically, we won the Euros without a number nine. Uh,
0: we, did. we didn't get a goal or did. an assist from a striker in the whole knockout stage. The
1: knockout stages.
0: Yeah.
1: And... It shows, even like me and Ed, we were talking about it too, that the false nine, it it, it worked. We got both goals, and there was a false yeah. nine. If yeah. you think of it, we switched to a false nine against Spain. We scored. We switched to a false nine against, uh, I believe it was a false nine when Benucci scored. I could be yeah. off, but it was a. It was. It pretty was. Sure, it was a false nine, and Benucci scored off a corner. So yeah, that, and me. Yeah. Go ahead, happened? Sorry.
0: No, no, yeah, I was going to say, even before a tournament, if you go back to the preview for the Euro, I was even saying, that even in a group chat, I always stress how much I want a false nine for Italy. I think it would benefit the team greatly. And uh, hopefully Zaniola can be our false nine uh, now that he's back.
1: Yeah, And just the fact that we were, we had a lot of question marks, like, oh, how's Italy going to play? Well, is Emola going to step up? Uh, is Kaelin and Bonucci still have it? How is Donnarumma going to play in this first major tournament? How is this, this, like... For me, and then we had the unbeaten mark, which we're, we're still unbeaten. And people are saying, oh, Italy just beat small teams. Italy just beat small teams. Okay. <laughs> so we beat Spain and penalty shots. We beat Belgium. We beat England now. Uh Do we still beat small teams? I don't think so. I think uh, you guys, the haters have to realize Italy are a powerhouse now. They're the best team in Europe, like so a lot of people are question mark. Oh, maybe they're, they're going to lose to Belgium. We had a lot of question marks and we answered those questions. A lot of people said, no, hey, they're going to make it out. Maybe make it to the quarterfinals and then lose. Run the whole thing. Uh, France. Oh, France are favorite. France are favorite. Belgium's favorite. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I had them as favorites, but I also said, if the Azuri can play like they can, we'll beat those guys. We I have no problem against them because I'm not scared of them. I'm not scared of, any nation anymore. Like, I'm not scared because we're the best nation. I'm not scared of anything because I know what this team is capable of. And you can tell by the group, by the core of guys we have in, in the room, they all love each other. You should see them. Yeah, they yeah they won, so they're obviously going to be happy. But look at uh, Cristante and Donor, and uh, Spinozola. They, Spinozola was on his back and they were celebrating. Uh, De Rossi sliding on the table like he, uh, it's like a... What are those slides called? Like the water slides?
0: Yeah, water slides. Like,
1: stuff like that. The coaching staff, we're were going nuts. And just an awesome job by Mancini. I got to give this guy credit. For me, he's easily one of the best. He's probably, in my opinion, like personally watching, top two, top three Italian coach I've witnessed in my life. And I got to give him a lot of credit. And I hope he remains for the World Cup. I think he will remain for the World Cup. and. I hope he remains for 2026, because under Mancini, and especially with guys like Pellegrini coming back, uh, Spina, uh, hopefully a healthy Spinozola, Daniolo Keane, if he can develop into the right players, and some players coming up, too. I think Italy could be a nation that you have to be scared of for the next five to ten years because of the guys we have. And hopefully now we can uh, use this Euro Cup and we go win the World Cup, so... I don't want to say anything just yet. I, I'm not gonna say, "Oh, you should put Italy as favorites right now," but you have to, you have, you have to give Italy a little bit of respect. And a lot of these media outlets, uh, they they got proven wrong this year, uh, this Euros, and uh, I'm happy about it because uh, Forza Italia, and that's all.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, when it comes to, like why it was so satisfying, like for me, there's a lot of things if you look at it. Right, number one. The English, uh, for me, this is actually one of the most important ones. I don't think too many people are talking about this. The English mocking us for, you know, playing Catenaccio, the style of football, which for those of you don't know is basically, you get a goal, whatever, and you lock down, you sit back, yep. and defend for your lives. They did that. They got a goal, and what did they do? Catenaccio, they stayed back. They and stayed back. We've been yes. cur- c- criticized for that forever, really. Like, until we got Mancini, really up to that point, we've been getting criticized for Catenaccio, and, uh, Look who's doing it now. So that's all I want to say about that. But also just beating the English who I believe were undefeated if at Wembley, the new Wembley until yesterday. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure I never lost a game there until yesterday. Uh, also Spain 2012, uh, watching that was, I remember that day being one of the most depressing days of football I've ever experienced. I was just. It was so hard to watch because Spain were beating us in a way that they, we just could to be even 4 nothing. I don't care about the scoreline. just so the way they were playing and we couldn't touch the ball, it was so frustrating, I remember that feeling. I was at um a cottage of mine watching with my family and it was just, oh, it was heartbreaking. Obviously, like, you're playing David Villa, Iniesta, Xavi, Castillas, like all these players. And we are having, like, you know, these. our team was nowhere near the team. And realistically, we shouldn't have won anyways, but... Just seeing it happen the way it did was hard to watch. And, uh, almost 10 years later, well, less than 10 years later, but it's almost been 10 years, uh, we got the, we got the Euro. We won it. So that's great. Also, like Dan said, the World Cup, you know, that, we all know how that went. Ventura, me and Dan were there together and we were just distraught. We didn't talk for maybe five minutes after the match, just in shock. And, uh, it was just a tough pill to swallow for a long time now. And, you know, it really got to the point where watching the national team felt like a chore sometimes. Like, you didn't look forward to it anymore. It was stressful because you knew the players wouldn't play. Uh, I don't care about entertaining football. You know, they, you know, you knew they wouldn't win and they didn't care. Like, they played like they didn't care. The manager didn't care. So how could the players care? And, uh, to see them overcome that was great. And to be honest, the biggest thing, in my opinion, was, uh, COVID, man. We've been locked up for so long inside. Uh, we haven't seen each other, like, Mean me and Dan, me and Richard, me mean anyone. I'm talking it maybe like twice in a year, three times, like it, we're all locked up and uh, for all Italians to come together and COVID's gone, we're well, not gone, but you know what I mean, we're on the we're on the better side yeah. of it now. And Italy win and all the Italians come together. We've been locked up for so long. Twenty eighteen, all that stress, we're all together celebrating, and it felt amazing to finally just be free again and just enjoy our beautiful nation accomplishing something that Many nations dream to accomplish in, a, in their lifetime, and not everyone's going to see Euro Cup in their lifetime. And we got to see one in our 20s, so I'm not 20 yet, but you know what I mean, I'm, I'll be 20 soon. But uh, yeah, it was great to see, and uh, it's very satisfying. So we're really proud of the team, and uh, you know, we did it that's all I can say, we did it, man, we did it, yeah. But uh, and
1: you know, the scary part is, and we made you we said it too, the Euro Cup. I, I had Italy personally, like, in the, when I did the predict, prediction for UEFA, I had Italy win the Euros. But on the, the Culture Guys podcast, I said I could see Italy maybe make it to the finals. But maybe semifinals. I could see Italy guaranteeing, like, semis to, uh, to finals. And we even said, too, this is a stepping stone. That so, a... winning the Euros during our stepping stone, I don't think we can consider it a stepping stone anymore. I think we yeah. we just we skipped a step and we went we went back to the top.
0: Yeah, and so look like
1: the to the top.
0: these last two games, like these big players make a difference, and we still won. Like Spina, I'm not just saying because he plays Roma and Dan, I'm sure you can agree. No, Without Spina, bad. we looked like a different team. We were are not the yeah, same. Well, we struggled.
1: Zola is it's not as strong as with him in it, but I can give Emerson a good uh, credit.
0: Second uh, half stepped though, up.
1: Yeah, second half, both players, uh, Emerson and Di Lorenzo, stepped up. Big time. But I'll give Emerson credit. He was thrown to the wolves, and I feel bad for him because he was thrown yeah. to the wolves. Uh, so, again, he did his job. He, for the most part, I'm going to say give him 80% of the time, he did his job. And yeah, he he, did what that's he had to all do. you can ask for. And Di Lorenzo, too. Florenzi started the tournament, got hurt the first game at the half. Di Lorenzo came in, and he took the job started the rest of the games, uh, came out, or he, he moved up. He even played left-back at one point uh, against Spain last time. So, give these guys credit. And you got to give also to Benucci and Cellini huge credit because without them, who who knows if we win the zeros. Uh, they were huge parts of why we won. Uh, I'm not a huge Benucci fan at all because I just don't like him as a person. But, fairly I put my differences aside and I respect him. And this Euro, he he gained a lot. I gained a lot of respect for him, and just the way him and Cellini played together, it's one of the best duels I've ever witnessed. And Kellini is one of the best standbacks backs I've ever witnessed in my life, and the guy's still world class even at the age of thirty six. So, grande G- uh, Giorgio, and uh, grazie Bonucci for helping us win this Euro.
0: Yeah. And just, like, oh, man, wait till we have Nicola Zaniolo. Like, yeah. I know I say this all the time, and I know I'm a Roma fan, so people are probably rolling their eyes saying, oh, I just think this place Roma. I, like, I'm telling you, I've been watching. Yeah, like, I've been watching this sport my whole life. Now, I mean that. There's a picture of me the day after I was born watching a Roma game in New jersey. Like, I've been watching this sport my whole life. I've not seen many players like Nicola Zagnolo just. He's incredible and he's a game changer. He's special. He's this guy's six four with the speed of someone that's five four running through teams with strength, his sh- shooting abilities, IQ. His just wait till we have Insignia, Zagnola, Foss, and Chiesa at the Nations League. I guarantee you Italy is going to win the Nations League. I'm calling it right now. We're yeah. going to win it.
1: At so, plus three. two will have. I, I think our Mayfield was awesome this tournament. Uh, but I'll. Uh... He was incredible, the incredible. We, yeah, yeah, he wasn't the Borella like well against England I should say. He wasn't the Borella we're used to seeing, but he he still had a good tournament. But imagine our midfield instead of guys like say I don't know, maybe I think a could fall out or something. Uh, but he Pellegrini was. wasn't even there. And guys like Piscina did an awesome job when coming in. Locatelli had a good I'd say a solid tournament. Jorginho guy was amazing. Baratti, he did his job. He was incredible as well. So our midfield, too, is going to get better when guys like a guy like Pellegrini comes in.
0: 100%.
1: We have guys who were injured, even Keane, too. I think Moise Keane deserves a shot at the Nations League. I think I would call him up. I I love Raspadori. don't get me wrong. I think he's going to be a good player in the future. I just think he's not... Re- he wasn't ready for Euro. Hey, I think he was... He not have that experience yet. Yeah. He's not yeah, experienced enough. Plus, yeah. he was coming off an under-21 uh, tournament where he played. So, who knows if he was fatigued or... Like, he's fatigued because he really didn't get much of a break. He went from the under-21s. Two weeks later, he's training with the uh, senior team. So, yeah. he deserves... Like, I think he w- he was thrown to the wolves and that's why I think King could have got called up too. But, regardless... Mancini had a squad. The squad won us the Euros. And this squad will go down forever as one of our favorite squads uh, that we've witnessed.
0: Definitely. And uh, just another thing with Lorenzo Pellegrini. See, the thing with him, I think the good thing about Italy's midfield is that they're all great at different things in a way. Even though everyone's kind of similar mm-hmm. in a way. I think we were missing for most of the tournament, number one, obviously. A striker, like I said. I think Zaniolo will solve that. as false nine, I think. Mancini, why not? Just give him a chance there. Try it out. Like, I don't see why he would be against that. Now he has some time to practice with some friendlies before the Nations League and all that. So please give him a shot at a false nine. But uh, back to the midfield. Pellegrini, one thing he's just amazing at, I'm not going to call him Pirlo, but he did lead the Champions League group stage before Roma oh got eliminated um in assists for a reason uh, in Europa League. Sedia, yeah, he always, always one of the top assisters in the league. This guy's passing ability. See, his name is Jorginho. He's a great passer. Fantastic. And he's very good at advancing the ball. But Pellegrini has this ability to play a ball that I can't even explain it. Like he just sends guys go on goal. All they have yeah. to do is shoot the ball. They don't have to dribble. They don't not Shoot the ball. And with guys like senior. Chiesa, Saniola running in behind with Pellegrini setting him up. Oh my God, it's incredible. And another thing with having guys like uh, Bareva and Jorginho or Verratti behind you, who would defend pretty well. Pellegrini doesn't have to run, worry about running back like he does at Roma. He just focus on creating, and this team will be incredible. Yeah. I do think our attack was lacking at times in this tournament. I think our defense was always there, but our attack, you know, sometimes creativity was missing, or that final shot, obviously, would strikers, strikers it it's kind of hard to score, but um, yeah, this team, this isn't even the strongest Italy team. That's what we're trying to say here. This is not even the strongest version of Italy. And we went undefeated for 34 games and won a Euro. Take that in right now. Like, that's all I gotta say. Yep. But, uh, you know, speaking about being undefeated, Mancini. Let's talk about his takeover a bit. We mentioned it a lot here. Yeah. Roberto Mancini, man. I'm so happy for guys like Viali, of course, Mancini, De Rossi, who, what better start yeah. the, your coaching career then winning a Euro Cup with Mancini learning from him. I'm hoping Mourinho brings him into the coaching staff. Learn under Mourinho, Mancini, like these guys, like that's just incredible man. To learn to learn under guys like this at such a young age. How I think the is thirty six now, thirty seven. He's not even that old. He's not old at all. He's actually very young. He could still be playing man. You see how he jumped on the table? This guy yeah, springs in his legs, man. He's still young.
1: I think so I'd break my back doing that. That video was honestly hilarious. Oh my god! And then when he fell off the table, everyone was still cheering. He gets up and he's just like, "Yeah, oh god, was... yeah, it was incredible." Oh my god, that's one. <laughs> that video was hilarious. Oh my god, that's incredible. And it looked like uh like a kid out of like the water park. I think when he was he's going down the slides and stuff. Yeah, incredible.
0: I think Montini did a great job in selecting his coaching staff. I think. Uh De Rossi was great to have because De Rossi he's, he's kinda like a Tuso in a way where the players love him. Like you just you love De Rossi. He's like a brother in a way. Okay, like yeah. you make sure you get your shit done but he's like a brother, like he's you one of the players, he's still young, he's still play. Like he's I think he's Kelly's age, or You're older, like he's with them. Old, like, yeah. Yeah, like he's he's like a boy for them. Like and I'm I'm not saying like a little bump, like one of the boys, like he's one of the team members. And he's young, he's exciting, he's great to have, great it brings great energy to the locker room. And you got a guy like Viali who obviously him and Mancini have a great history at Sampdoria and they know each other well. And obviously his story is inspiring for the for the players to look at and want to make them want to play harder. Mancini, I think one advantage that uh, we have is that many national team managers don't have club experience. Like most of them just jump right into managing a national team and managing a club and a national team is extremely different. And, um, And just situational things that you learn when you're coaching the manager at a club and how to deal with different injuries. And there's more games, so you learn you get more experience and how to deal with, let's say, for example, when at halftime, Mancini changed everything, the way that he played. Southgate did not know what to do at all. Like He didn't have a plan B. Mancini has a plan A, B, C, and D. That's what club managers have to deal with because they played 38 games. A year, well more if you include uh, other competitions. But when you're just a national team manager, you play a couple games every couple months. It's not the same thing. So um, it was a good in bringing in Mancini, and like Dan said, I hope he stays. He took over, man. Thirty-four games unbeaten. Was that the record he beat? I think he beat the record. Did he not? I think. I, or he tied yeah, it? I
1: believe so. He beat. Tied yeah. or better, yeah.
0: Yeah. So we haven't
1: lost in three years. So we, our last loss, I'm pretty sure, was against Sweden. So,
0: I, I think I, you're right I can't it remember it should be yeah and I'm pretty sure they beat the record because I remember Gab Marcotti from ESPN I was watching a, a Euro preview for Italy and he said for Italy to beat the record they'd have to win the tournament I remember him saying that so I'm pretty sure they beat the record now which is just incredible I don't want to say this is the best Italy team of all time in my opinion you need to win a World Cup to make that claim because World Cup is obviously the biggest trophy there is But it's definitely one of the best Italy teams we've ever seen, ever. Yeah. And that's incredible to see because they weren't at full strength. They're very, they're still pretty, you know, pretty new. Mancini hasn't been here forever. And this is Mancini's first major tournament with Italy. Oh, man. This podcast, guys, we could go four hours, me and Dan talking about Italy right now. Oh, yeah.
1: And I just want to say something, too. Just remember, even the golden Italian era, we didn't win a Euro, uh European trophy. So just just to put into consideration guys exactly. like a team we had guys like Cannavaro, uh, Buffon, Gattuso, Pirlo, De Rossi, Totti, Dal Piero, all these legends that you look at you go these guys are easily one of the best players of all time or in the in the respectable positions. They didn't even win a Euro Cup and just the fact that this Azzurri team with honestly right now we didn't have an all-star like a superstar I'll be completely honest. We had 11 guys who are stars, and that's what made us good. We didn't have one guy that we had to rely on. We had 11 guys that if they did their job and they did their part, they'd a win, and they did. So give huge credit to the players, the coaching staff, those behind the scenes that got them prepared, and just give uh, huge credit to the, us, the fans, as well, because we stuck with this Azuri side even through the darkest days. And uh we saw the light at the end of the tunnel and now boys just or boys and girls I should say, go celebrate. Enjoy this Euro Cup because this is gonna be something we're cherishing forever.
0: No, yeah, a hundred percent man. Like I'm never gonna forget this. Me neither. One thing, <laughs> I'm trying
1: to get canvas, I'm trying to get pictures of the canvases of the the Euro Cup as we speak right now.
0: <laughs> exactly, man. Uh, we we gotta get all the merchandise and everything to remember this. But <laughs> One thing I was talking to my dad about, I think after the zero, it's going to be hate. I mean, it's going to be hard to hate the players that were on this team. Like, for example, we're playing Juve. Like, it's, it's going to be so hard to hate Chiellini and, like, Bonucci. As a person, as I've said it before, I'll say it again. I'm not the biggest fan of Bonucci as a person, but as a player, he's obviously great. And, like, even when we're playing Napoli, like, when Insignia destroys us, like usual, <laughs> it, it's going to be so hard to hate players that were on this team, other than Immobile and in. try be for reasons we all know why, yeah. but and uh, like
1: I can say the same for uh, well I always have I always have respect for Zaniolo, Pellegrini, and Spinazzola because uh, I know I seen them for the Azzurri, but now it's gonna be even harder to hate them because of what Ilia uh, have done in the summer, and especially Spinazzola. The guys you I can't you can't hate guys who are class like it's cause it's impossible because it, then you're just showing your jealous of them, like, it, Juve, yeah, I, I can, maybe, maybe Bonucci I can hate, because it's always Juve, so I don't like Juve players, but I have respect for them when uh, it comes to the uh, the Azzurri.
0: Yeah, and, like, <sighs> Spinazzola, I got so many DMs of people saying, like, from other clubs saying, how can you hate Spinazzola, man, the guy's smiling, like, all the time, I, when, is, when is he not smiling, Spinazzola? <laughs> he's
1: like, he's yeah. our
0: yeah, for real, he is our kind. Like Everyone loves Spina Sola. How can you not? And I'm glad the whole world can see it now because I've been seeing this Aroma for a long time. He's always played like this for the past year and a half. He's been incredible for us. And, um, he's an even better person than he is player. Like, the guy did not have to go on one leg to Wembley. What if they lost? The guy went all the way there for the reason? Like, he did not want to support his team. He stayed in the player's hotel. He stayed with them uh in the locker room. He cheered them on. He was with the team the whole way and he wanted to support them and motivate them. And um the whole tournament, in my opinion he's actually we'll get into that next, but uh he's one of the best players at the tournament. Yeah. And I was and about to bring also, it up now. So
1: Yeah. I was just gonna say like it's also awesome to uh to see the team even chanting his name uh when he got injured and just threw out the like the Sammy's into the finals and Especially when Spina was going on the bus, the players were chanting Spina,
0: uh, Spina. Spina. Yeah, exactly. Like it,
1: that was just I, awesome to see. Very like awesome.
0: I loved it. I'm so happy for Spina. He got to lift up the trophy. He deserved it. He's been such a hard worker, man. He's come a long way. He battles injury history, and people want to say oh, this part of it. Like, uh, it doesn't matter. You can never get hurt in football. And you can get this injury. It's not because you have an injury history. This injury can happen to anyone. It's a freak accident. This, It's not like, oh, he, uh, pulled his hamstring for the seventh time in the tournament. No, he tore his Achilles. That does not happen because of an injury history. That just, it's a wrong step. It can happen to anyone. And we've seen the happy, the great players in the past. So, um, I can't see him back and hopefully, uh, he has a full recovery. He's expected to, like, the the doctor said. But yeah, happy to see it's been a lifted. But now like I was gonna say, uh, I almost said it there, but might as well go into the next uh topic I wanted to bring up really here. Yeah. Our top three players of the tournament for Italy. For Italy. Okay. So I'll start off here quick. In my opinion, this is very tough because I don't have Kez on mine. Only because he wasn't a player we went to early on. Obviously in the group stage we Keza just played the Wales match, I believe. Um when we started that one at least. So this is only I took into account the games they played and, um, yeah. just everything. So, in my opinion, the top three for the whole tournament, this could be debatable. Spina, I had to put in. In my opinion, up to when he got hurt, he was the best player by far. Uh, like, for example, the Austria match, we, i we sucked. Like, we yeah, sucked. We were, that. we're, terrible. we're terrible. And Spina was the only one doing anything in that match. He was setting up, he gave Immobile a very good pass around from the net that he messed up. He uh played in Chiesa for that goal. He created all on his own, right to Chiesa, right open the back post. He could have had many assists there. He had a couple nice shots. Against Belgium, it could have been tied. Going into overtime against, what well, overtime? I'm talking about basketball here. I uh, went extra time against Belgium. Could have been nasty. But what happened to Spina? He blocked it. He blocked that shot right on the line on Lukaku. That could have cost us the game and we could have been out right now. We could have been, uh, <laughs> recapping transfers already. But, uh, Spina saved us there. And the guy's have been incredible, so I had to put Spina in. I also have Chiellini. Uh, I was gonna pick Bonucci, he did play more. But I just feel like Chiellini, man, these, especially his past two games, this guy's unreal. Like, I can't, I can't believe he can do this at that age. He's on another level. Although Bonucci scored. Just Kielini did so much of the dirty work. guys diving everywhere, putting his body in the line. He just, he was incredible. So I have to put Kielini in mind. And then also Donnarumma, a player of the tournament, in my opinion. I don't know if he shouldn't play in the tournament, but I, I can't disagree with it. But we'll talk about that next and our thoughts on it. But I have Donnarumma stopping the penalties, man, against Spain and England. Saving two penalty shots. And then, as a keeper, no, you know, that's not easy in a no, high-pressure situation. Easy. Saving two of them, obviously they missed three, but two of them were saved by him. Rashford hit the post. Saving two in a final at the age of 22, incredible. Uh-huh. And he read them perfectly. He like, It wasn't like a lucky save or he just got it. He read them, read their eyes, read the whole uh position of their body, went the right way, and he got it with confidence. And not just a penalty, he was incredible every match throughout the game. Made big saves, especially against Belgium on De Bruyne a few times. He's an incredible keeper. And uh, I had to put him in there. But for Dan, for you, bro, top three players.
1: Okay, top three players for me?
0: Yeah. I'm
1: going to go with uh, Jorginho because for me, I feel like he was uh, very, like, awesome this tournament. Uh, I believe he played uh, – I want to say he played every minute. Like, he, I don't think he
0: – I believe yeah, he did. I believe he did. Yeah, so
1: for uh, me, he was our best midfielder by far, and – he really controlled the tempo of the game, made some key passes, got out some tricky situations with uh, great skill moves or with good dribbling and good awareness of the play. Uh, so my first, that's going to be number one. I'm gonna go with uh, Cialini as well. For me, he was a brick wall, and you could tell when he wasn't there. The defense they did their job. Uh, Bernucci did, had an outstanding tournament in my opinion, but that side where Cherby was playing, he was he looked a little lost a few times. Uh, where Kelini wouldn't at all. So for me, Kelini, I would put him as number two. And then number three, I would put Spinozola up to the injury. He was probably the best left back in the tournament, uh, maybe top two. And he was making a strong case for himself to be player of the tournament. He was just incredible uh, going forward, making some key plays in the defensive side, uh, blocking that shot against Ukaku and creating just chances and linking up with the likes of Insigne like, very well. So for me, those were my top three players. But if I had to do, uh, say, a strong uh, candidate for number four or uh, honorable mention, I would give it to Banucci.
0: Uh, Banucci, yeah, no, uh, yeah, picking three is very tough, but yeah, yeah, um, I agree. All I,
1: I love the way Donnarumma played this tournament. It was incredible. He he had he didn't have much to do until like later on. Besides the penalty shots, but when he was called upon, he uh, stood up to the task and he made some huge saves.
0: Yeah, agreed. Yeah, he's he's one of the best keepers in the world. I don't think that's up for debate. He's a great goalkeeper, and uh, yeah, well done to uh, those. our three players we picked. But yeah, the whole team did amazing, and I'm proud of them all. Uh, Donnarumma, like we just mentioned, uh, player of the tournament, he won. That's a great honor to win, especially at the age of 22 as a goalkeeper. Uh, I was a bit surprised he won, to be honest. Um, not because I thought he played bad, because he did not play bad at all. He played amazing. I just feel like when you look at player-to-tournament, you need to look at the whole tournament, not just the last couple of games, which I think there's a little bit of recency bias, to be honest. I thought maybe Bonucci had a chance of winning it. Maybe Chiellini had a chance of winning it. Jorginho had a chance of winning it. Uh Spina, I think he would have won it if he was healthy for the last two games. I really do think he would have won it. But I'm not going to complain. You know, I'm happy for Donald Ruma. He's 22. And to get in a war like that, it's a great honor. But Dan, what are your thoughts on uh, G. Joe winning the player tournament?
1: For me, it was kind of tough. Uh, if you're going with the whole player of the tournament, uh, maybe not. But you know, for me, he was probably the best goalie in the tournament. I can argue that. Him or Summer were the part of the best goalies of the tournament. Uh for me I would probably give it to maybe Banucci if you like or even Jorginho because of the way he played. I know Jorginho didn't have outstanding numbers, but just the way he controlled that midfield and the way he uh was kind of like the leader of that midfield and he just the way he calmed the plays down, picked all his options, made sure like the Zuri really weren't uh, sloppy at times. So for me I would probably pick Jorginho, but uh, no debate for Donnarumma uh, being the best keeper, one of the best keepers in the tournament. Uh, he was outstanding, especially when it called upon the penalty shots, saving, I believe he saved four in these two penalty shots, or maybe uh, like I, or four.
0: I think three, uh, maybe four. I could be wrong. Yeah,
1: because Omo missed. Because Omo missed uh, yeah, on yeah, that, so Rashford hit the post, so so I think three. Penalty three. Shots in, three penalty shots and two uh, penalty shootouts is very incredible numbers uh for him so maybe that's why they gave it to him because he came up clutch in those two games so who knows but uh i'm happy and Natalie won the player of the tournament so i can say that but for me it would have been either Jorginho or uh benucci uh a good shout even good shout to spinozola if he uh potentially played the whole tournament i think uh he would have had it no problem so for me those were the three guys i I was expecting, but I'm happy Natalie won it. And uh, good on Donnarumma, who's set to join PSG. And I think, uh, I know some people say, oh, maybe he's going to be number two. No, no, no. I think Donnarumma, after this tournament, deserves to be number one. And Navas, he can uh, either be packing his bags to leave or uh, just sit on the bench and uh, play when called upon.
0: Yeah. And obviously I'm a Roma fan, so and you're a Napoli fan, so I think we're both happy he's uh we don't have to play against him anymore. Yeah, but yeah,
1: guy oh my god, guy carried Milan all the time. Real. He would always make a big save when uh Napoli needed a goal, he would be a uh, pain care, in the ass to play against.
0: He was so frustrating to play against, but as an Italian I'm I am sad that he's leaving the City Uh. I do yes. enjoy watching him when Roma's not playing Milan, I think. It amazes me for how big he is, but how quick he is. His reflexes are incredible for such a big guy. And I can only imagine stepping up to take a penalty and seeing this giant in the net covering the whole thing. Because when you make yourself look big, he probably covers the whole net to a player sometimes when you look at him. So he's uh, he's uh incredible, man. I'm going to miss him. Uh As a person, you know, I judged him in the past because of what happened, I believe, back in 2018. Yeah, when the whole uh, scandal happened of Milan and Miraiola. You know, and, again, I guess it's more respectable, I guess. or It's not as bad that he left for free now because he, he didn't um, honor his contract. He did not leave before his contract ended. He honored the contract he signed. He stayed all the years, and it's done. He can do whatever he wants now. I'm happy he didn't go to Juve because that would have been even more bad. Going to Juve for Milan, uh, kind of like what Pirlo did, I, I can't respect that. If he did that, I would have been very disappointed in him. But... uh he wants to try himself abroad, you know. He sometimes, uh, it's good to test yourself. He's still young. I'm sure he'll end up back in the set. Yeah, one day I can't see him staying at PSG his whole career. Uh, he's kind of taking a little bit of a Verati route here, but I wish him nothing but the best. I'm sure he'll be great. And like you said, that I think he'll be starting, especially after this tournament. And if he doesn't start originally, I can't see why not as the season goes on, he eventually gets to start because yeah. I don't know if that's a great keeper, but the guy's young, man. Let him play. Let him get games under his belt because Donnarumma could potentially break the record for most of the appearances, but if you're going to be on the bench wasting a whole year, it just, I don't know. I, I don't like that. So I'm hoping he uh gets a start at some point. But yeah, good on to J. Joe. And then yeah. to end off, what's next? That's a big question. What is next for the Azuri? Okay, Obviously, so Nations League's Nations coming up, League, man.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Nations League. But for me, I just think we just have to play hard, play, play like we can. Uh just listen to Mancini because the guy know clearly knows what he's doing. Uh, so just have players listen to Mancini. Uh, Mancini, uh develop more players. Uh, as the years go on, so guys like Tonali should be hopefully developing Rovello, Uh, we got a few guys coming up. Like, uh, even though I wouldn't be surprised if in a few years, if Coutrone can wake up, maybe find his uh, career again. He can start playing with Aspadori. So there's a lot of talent coming up from the uh, Azuri youth, so I wouldn't be surprised if Mancini, one year, one like say, if we have some friendlies against like Marino or teams that we really don't need to try against, call these youth guys up, give them a shot. So develop these guys for the World Cup because we got the World Cup coming up next year, uh, not in a few months, venture huh? So next year, yeah. we have a, the World Cup coming. Uh, so hopefully we get the guys, we get the boys ready for the World Cup uh because uh I wanted to come back to Rome I want the World Cup to come to Rome and um, I want to see the uh the fans celebrate again look forward to uh something in the winter so it's going to be a cold World Cup but hopefully the Azzurri can uh bring some heat and uh make it warm for us
0: yeah 100% and one thing I think that this whole Euro Cup thing will do for us in so winning it is that now that I think when I'm watching a game kind of like let's say Inter I'm watching Inter even though they're still the enemy, I'm a Roma fan, uh, I'll still be looking at Bastoni and cheering him on because I do, like, now that I know we can win the World Cup and the chances have increased, yeah. I'm going to be happier when I see any times in the world. Like, for example, Dan, I'm not sure how you feel about Zagnolo and Roma, obviously, but oh, no, I know I, really,
1: I love Zaniolo. I think he's, he's he, like, if I had to rank him, he's probably the best. Him and Chiesa are maybe top two uh, Italian uh, products, maybe top three. Uh, those three, Bastoni, Chiesa, and Zagnolo. So I would obviously I want to see Zanjolo do well, uh. But when he comes to play against Napoli, I don't.
0: Of course. To do well, obviously. I can't blame you. But
1: uh, yeah. when I see Roma playing against a team like, say, Spezia or Udinese or something, I see Zanjolo score. I go, okay, good. That means uh, he's off and running and he's getting back into form.
0: So the yeah. guys,
1: I like again, like obviously when they play against Napoli, you're dead to me. Like uh, ninety minutes, I don't like you. Of course. Uh, but of course. after that, uh then I I don't care. Like I support. Like not support, like I oh I love uh, I'm getting against the jersey or something, but I want them to do well because I know they're gonna be playing for the Azzurri. and what more does uh a fan want besides uh their home nation or the team their their nation that they support to do well in these big tournaments and if we get guys like say Daniolo, Bastoni, Chiesa, uh Pellegrini, Tonali, whoever like is playing does well in the tournament and the really are successful that's what I look forward to
0: yeah I think this whole tournament run is going to change my mentality on that stuff now because I know before the Euros when I saw Keza for example right as a Roma fan to me he's the enemy not only does he play for Juve but him and Zaniola have this whole is, like yeah. comparison even as a person like the diving you know that's I hope he doesn't go back to that now but Um, Just before the Euros, I'm like, I don't like Chiesa. Number one, I don't like how people say he's better than Zaniolo. And number two, he plays a Juve. Number three, he's diving, whatever. But now, you know what? I don't care if people think Chiesa is better than Zaniolo. I don't care if people think Zaniolo is better than Chiesa. Because at the end of the day, they're all on the same team at the end of the day for Giazuri. And them doing well is better for Giazuri. So for now, I'm not comparing these Italian youngsters. Because the thing with the English is that Let's say, like, a city fan, oh, Sancho's garbage, Rashford's garbage, which, I, I, that I understand the rival club, that's like me and Lazio, so I understand that. So let's say, um, I don't really know, United fan, oh, Grilish sucks, this guy's better than him. I don't like the whole mentality, how they're bashing their own talent. You know what, I don't care anymore for now on. Bastoni, I'm not comparing him to any other Italian player. Chiesa, Zanu, I don't care. I want them all to do well. And I think Azzurri, it benefits them. So, I hope every time player does well now, and I'm not gonna be against any of them for now on. That's mine mentality going into it. Yeah,
1: because you know. I, I feel like it's kind of unfair to compare guys. Say, for example, uh we all know Tonelli, uh, he had those Pirlo comparisons. The guy hasn't played in Serie A yet. Yes, he looks like Pirlo, Pirlo played for Brescia, but can't really make a comparison until he's done something in the Serie A. So, stuff like that. I feel like we should move away from that and just look on how they're developing. Saying, okay, this yeah. guy's going to be a good player in the future. This guy could be a factor for us. This guy could be maybe filling the role of, say, Jorginho or even whatever. That's what I feel like we should start doing. Compare them in a good reason, not give them, say, oh, this guy's the next Piolo, I look out for him. Like, I feel like we should, as like the youth players develop, we should start comparing them until, like, to see, okay, is this guy going to really replace Bonucci? Is this guy going to replace Kelly?
0: Exactly. Chiellini.
1: So that's how, that's my mentality. Then, especially after the year, I feel like we should just accept and appreciate the talent we have because some nations wish they have a a player like exactly. Kieser or something. So uh, I'm going to uh, cheer Colorado. them on for on. Yeah. on.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. this this has really opened up my eyes and made me appreciate uh, winning, because for me, I'm a Napoli fan, so as not, you guys know, Napoli, they don't win often, like trophies, I should say, but when they do, it's special, and it's always a place in my heart, and this Azuli team uh, will always have a place in my heart.
0: Agreed. And, like, even when I'm watching Napoli now, Diorenz, like, obviously, I critique them. Doesn't mean I don't like him. I just don't agree with some things he did yeah. during the match. No, yeah, but when no, I'm watching no. him. That,
1: that's normal. It's completely Exactly.
0: Normal. And now when I'm watching him, I, I want him to do better because I, I know that if he gets better for the World Cup, we're set. Cause that's another solid right back we're going to have. So when I'm, when I'm watching Diorenz, I'll be cheering him on now. When they're not playing against Roma, I'll be like, oh, come on, Diorenz, let's go. I'm going to want him to play better because if he develops well, Bastoni develops well, Zaniola develops well, Chiesa. All these guys, it's better for Italy at the end of the day. And obviously in the moment, you know, we're rivals. So I understand saying, oh, I don't like Napoli or I don't like Yuba. I don't like Roma, or I, don't like Roma or I don't like Milan, whatever. That makes sense, but I'm not going to hate on these Italian talents anymore because it's just jealousy at the end of the day. Oh, I don't like Kazak. I think Zanu is better. I'm not, we can't be like the English. I think the Italians are better than that. We're not going to compare each other's talent because at the end of the day, they're all on the same team. We're all on the same team. Exactly. So this change my mentality. I'm sure, you know, Roma might play Juve, and Chiesa dives, and I might be saying something else in this podcast, but I'm going to try my best this year to kind of cheer them on more and be more happy. Oh, no, me. if I
1: see Chiesa diving, I know it's the Juve way. Sorry, just to say that. I know. I know the way that they taught. Maybe it's what Pirlo or someone told them to do, but against the, under Mancini, he, the guy played like the way I expect him to play. No diving, yeah, no like, trying to wrap the game. He was incredible, and hopefully he, he goes, you know what? I feel better as a person. I feel better as a player. I'm going to try to avoid the diving as much as possible.
0: Even that run yesterday against England, uh, you probably remember when he went on that amazing yeah. run. He got knocked over and he stayed on his feet. If that was Juve, you know he's going to the ground. He's jumping on that ground to get a free kick. It's like, just a whole different mentality. I have a feeling my spoke to him and said, hey, Chiesa, don't try and rep this game. Don't try and... Just yeah. When you go down, you actually go down whatever. But don't try and look for these calls because like the they thing I like about it. Zaniolo. A lot of times too. Exactly. And like the thing I like about Zaniolo and even Bellotti, like I remember that thing with Bellotti, he got fouled and it's a ref. Like it wasn't a foul, he didn't touch me, I just tripped. You remember that?
1: Yeah, yeah, again it was a penalty
0: appeal and he goes no 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 just. Yeah, he didn't I fell on my own, don't call it and they didn't. And that's something with Zaniolo that I respect about him is that you will never see Zaniolo dive. This guy will not go down unless you kill him. If you watch his highlights back or games, it takes two, or three guys to get the ball off him. And even if they don't, you need to kill this guy to get down. Like, that's what I like yeah. about him. And, um, that's what I saw in Kiazza in the World Cup. World Cup. Not yet. Yeah. Euro Cup. Hopefully. And, uh, yeah, hopefully. And I really appreciate that about him. So I hope, uh, he does not go back to his old ways. But yeah, we're going to wrap this one up. It's been a long one. It's been one yeah. of my favorite podcasts to record out of these past two years. I really enjoyed this one. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. This and one boys, expect, for a long time.
1: expect some uh, big things coming up soon. Uh, especially, like, we're trying to get some guests on as well for the podcast. Uh, since now it's a preseason, whatever. Uh, our YouTube, we're going to try to put more clips onto it. Maybe today, uh, when I have time, uh, I'm going to maybe try to post two clips because this was a long one. And uh, just expect uh, a lot of content. We'll keep you updated, obviously, on the Instagram page uh Hopefully, we can get that back soon because it's again two years we've been working on it, and just unfortunately, we're like, we couldn't well, for, like, we don't know what we did wrong. Uh, so we're trying to get that back. So, hopefully, we can get that back soon. And, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, we're gonna keep working behind the scenes to make uh, some better content for you guys. And, yeah, this is probably the end of our Azuli talk. It's been what two months now, the preview and all this stuff we've been doing, it's been a while. So, we've been talking with the Azulie. Uh, the friendlies they played, the Euro preview, the whole Euros, everything. So, hope you guys enjoyed this whole uh, long journey. It's going to be – I might even go back to listen to our preview and what we are saying, getting up yep. to it. But, uh yeah, I think it ends here, starting next week. We're going to take the rest of the week off, you know, release this one. Let some news come in, let some transfer news break, because now all the stuff will be going on because the Euros are done. The big moves will start to happen. And uh I guess, yeah, we'll have some guests on, and we'll talk about transfers and previewing the next season. So it's going to be a whole switch up, going back to the old ways. But, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this ride with us. We know we did. We're going to go enjoy this, uh, celebration still. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the whole uh, Zulia's Run, Man it was special and something that we should never forget in our whole lifetime. So thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Go check out our social media. Remember the new Instagram is now six, number six, side cultural, not just the number six IX, uh, Twitter. Facebook, we'll be taking that down. We'll no longer be using Facebook because of just things behind the scenes that have been going on, Facebook. But uh, Instagram and Twitter, go check it out. And we'll see you next week. Ciao. Ciao,
1: guys.